What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to your Monday afternoon show. Since week four, Chris, who is the highest scoring quarterback since week four? Since week four. He, um, he played yesterday. Played yesterday. Yeah. Six point per passing touchdown, by the way. You can't spring that kind of question I on know. me with no. <laughs> Fine, let me ask um, you a different question. Who's the highest scoring player since week four? Well, beginning in week four. So since week three, I guess. Beginning in week four, who is the highest scoring player? Six point per passing touchdown. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. And this is in non-PPR, not even counting catches. Yeah, but you know, he hasn't had a bye yet. I, it is true. He's not number one per game in this format. Non PPR six. Is there Rogers? No, it's it's Herbert. Oh, Herbert really? Brady Jackson Allen Taylor is five. Roger. This is per game. Rogers uh, is the number five QB, number six overall player per game since uh, the beginning of week four. But Jonathan Taylor, you know, Chris, his first three games. He had 56, 51, 64 rushing yards. He had six catches against Seattle because every running back does. And then one catch and then one catch. And it just goes to show you. We, zero it touchdowns. Is, he did. He had zero touchdowns. That's right. He has scored in every game since. It just goes to show you how difficult this is. We have to. Our job is to react to what we see. And through three games, I'm sure we didn't think Jonathan Taylor would not only be the number one running back going forward, but the number one player. And, you know, it's and a little the, lesson the, in patience. The change in his, I mean, but it's not even a lesson in patience because it's like he played 55% of the snaps or fewer in each of the first five games. He's been above 65% in every game since, including above 83% in the past two. His, like, his role has changed. And the it, team has not, changed. They're playing better. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't wrong to have concerns about Jonathan Taylor early on. And even, you know, that week four, he had 103 rushing yards and a touchdown. But week five, he only had 53 yards on 15 carries. He did have uh, 116 receiving yards because he had a long screen touchdown, I believe. But, you know, it wasn't like completely off base to be a little bit worried about Jonathan Taylor. No, it's just that, you know, now it is. 
<laughs> yeah, right. I mean, there's so much, so many things we try to predict that you just can't predict. But let's talk about, I did not predict Ben Roethlisberger having his best game of the year. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Steelers. We have five big topics. Jacob Gibbs will join us soon. Those five topics are what's going on with Josh Allen, what's going on with Russell Wilson, what's going on with the 49ers backfield with Debo Samuel becoming such a rushing threat right now. What do you make of Zach Ertz coming off 88 catches, 88 yards and two touchdowns on eight catches? And which streamer quarterback has the best fantasy playoff schedule? So first, Steelers and Chargers, it's uh, 47, what was the final score? 41-37, I believe, uh, Chargers. Total mess today. Yes. I apologize. I've had a really busy day. That's why we're late. Um, just a lot going on. Anyway, Roethlisberger with 28 points. His first game with more than 20. His first game with three touchdown passes. What were your big takeaways from this game? Start with the Steelers. Give me a Steelers takeaway. Um, I really liked what we saw from Chase Claypool yesterday. He had five catches for 93 yards, probably should have had at least one more touchdown. He was involved in the red zone. I believe he played 90% of the snaps. Um, I think it's a very, very promising game for Chase Claypool. 20% target share. A um, lot to like there. 15% started. And I guess if I, I mean, I felt the same way. That was my big takeaway too with the Steelers. I guess if I were going to just contradict it, Roethlisberger did have his best game, right? And mm-hmm. w- what I guess the question is, what is stopping me from just expecting Claypool to be the the garbage he was the previous three games? Why should I make anything more than this was just a a blip? Um, he was playing through that toe injury, right? I am did not he sure. The toe injury in week nine. I think so. Okay, yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that's a fair point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he turned back into it. This is, you know, the kind of player Chase Claypool tends is that t- type of player who relies on big plays and sees targets down the field, has a relatively low catch rate. I think that kind of player is prone to blow up games and then prone to disappointing games. And I'm sure we'll talk about Mike Williams, who I think is in a very similar situation to Chase Claypool. The yeah. one difference is... You know, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to how much the Steelers throw as much as anything. You know, they were this was the first time I think in five or six weeks that Najee Harris didn't have more than 20 carries and yeah. they were perfectly willing to be a run first team. And if they can't do that, you know, if Najee Harris did come back from that concussion yesterday, but we'll see if there are any lingering issues as a result of it. But. You know, if on the, in those weeks where they can't go twenty plus carries, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot because they don't have another option at running back. And um, you know, Claypool's the number two option there. Yeah, so I guess I'd say if their defense gets healthy, Hayden comes back, Watt comes back, Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. comes back, then then you're probably going to have a better opportunity for the twenty carries for Najee Harris. But it is surprising yes. against this run defense that they did not run the ball more, but. Their defense, you know, Steelers' defense themselves was bad. All right, so let's go to the Chargers side. Then you want to talk about Michael well, Eckler. Well, I think we should also great. mention Pat Fryermuth. Oh yeah, did sure. end up getting a touchdown, but only eleven yards on four catches. The touchdown was late, right? Yep. Um, you know, Eric Ebron did cut into his work a little bit. Uh, Fryermuth ended up with seven targets on forty-four catches. I would that was his. That's got to be his lowest touch uh, target rate in at least the last four games. So. You know, some something to be to be alert, to be cognizant of is fifty-seven snap percent snap rate. Um, you know, that's that's just something to be aware of. Okay. 
All right, so on the Charger side, you get a big game from Herbert, and he's been a little frustrating, but mm-hmm. you it's hard to sit him. I thought what was great yeah, he's was... He's been the highest-scoring player since week three. <laughs> no, week four. he's been the highest-scoring quarterback. Since... Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought what was great, sometimes his offensive line just doesn't hold up, but when there was pressure today, he was running, or yesterday. He was running, running mm-hmm. for 90 yards. Uh, Eckler was obviously amazing. Keenan Allen, over the last three games, where he's had about 100 yards in all of them, but no touchdowns, he's number six per game in PPR and still without a mm-hmm. touchdown, number 13 per game in non-PPR. So Allen's been on fire. What do you think about Mike Williams? You take away completely busted coverage, 53-yard touchdown. If you take away that, he's got four catches for 44 yards on five targets, which was, looks a lot like his previous four games. Yeah, there's no reason to take it away. You know, the play happened. Busted coverage has happened. He is a big play threat. He is a downfield wide receiver who's always had the ability to take the top off the defense. That's not what happened, I- though. But I think the takeaway is, yes, that he his role didn't really change in this one. He happened to hit a big play. And whether it was because of busted coverage or anything else, like that will happen occasionally. Yeah. But when you're talking about the kind of role that Mike Williams has, you're you're looking at situations where he's gonna have to hit the big play, or otherwise he's not gonna have a big game because his target share is way down. Um it was like fifteen or sixteen percent in this one. Uh, what was it? Six targets? Yeah, six targets yeah. on forty-one pass attempts for Herbert. Yeah, so it's you know when the when the big play happens, he's going to be good. I think he's in the boomer bust wide receiver three category still, and I don't I don't take much positive away from this game, other than that he did hit the big play, which we know he can. Yeah, the only positive, the only thing that I think for me separates Williams from other boomer bust big play guys is that you're still getting end zone targets. I don't know if he officially got one because he drew a pass interference, Mm -hmm. but they do seem intense most weeks to throw to him either in or near the end zone, uh, almost in a Mike Evans way. So that at least you have that, and he's just not coming down with it. But he was started in 72% of leagues, and, and I think that's about... I think that's about right. You know, I don't think it should be much lower than that with the state of the wide receiver position. It's not like we can sit here and rattle off 30 dependable wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, Elijah Moore is probably a top 24 wide receiver for me in week week 12. Yeah. You know, like it's just there. Traquan Smith is wide receiver 18 since the start of week eight. He's wide receiver 30 in points per game, but it's not even like he's been good. He's averaging 50 yards per game with two touchdowns in four games. Like, right. That's just the wide receiver position has just been awful. Yeah, perhaps it didn't dawn on me just how bad wide receiver was until recently. I was sitting here lamenting how I can never sit these guys that I'm frustrated with, and I think it's because wide receivers just uh, having a bit of a down year. All right, let's go through. Yeah, I'm sorry. Really, it's a down couple of weeks. Uh, You know, I I was looking at it. The last three weeks, quarterbacks as a whole are averaging 6.9 yards per attempt. The league average passer rating is 87 and it's 7.5 air yards per attempt. That's all quite low. I'm trying I'm going to look up the uh 1 through 8 passer rating for the league weeks 1 through 8 was 94. So that's 7 points higher. Average yards per attempt 7.4. That's about 4 yards per, or 0.4 yards higher. Air yards per attempt was about a half yard higher. So we've seen you know whether it's what the teams are doing to the Bills and the and the Chiefs and taking away the deep ball. Maybe that's just a, a league-wide trend that's going on, but quarterback play as a whole, passing production has been, you know, noticeably lower over the last few weeks. Yeah. 
it's pretty interesting. And with Wilson and Mahomes four out of five games now, and Josh Allen two out of three games, and I, I would say two out of three. Yeah, I feel like you can make you know make an excuse for Dak. Well, no, I wouldn't say that with Dak, right? Because the Denver game did he play well? No, he ended up with a pretty good game. Uh, I guess. Am I missing something? Yeah. Uh, and then no Cooper and a half of no Lamb yesterday, but. But yeah, sure, look, right. uh, there are excuses you can make, but you know, two thirty-two, two touchdowns and an interception—that's not—that's not great for. Dak I mean, Prescott. against Denver, yeah. Is that that that's a Denver game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, and I don't know how much confidence people are going to have in him this week as we get to our news and notes, where it looks like Cooper's going to be out for sure on Thursday. Yeah. And I I put this funny headline: No lamb for Thanksgiving. No, it's Turkey Day. Come on, but it's not. It's probably not going to be Lamb Day either, as they have Las Vegas on Thursday, and he's got the concussion. And you should expect him to sit this game. Quick turnaround. We got three games on Thursday: Chicago and Detroit. Probably not going to have Justin Fields, although it seems like he escaped a serious injury. Probably at this point, not going to have Jared Goff. And like I said, uh, Lamb. And news for the Bills. Now the Bills. Yeah, go ahead. Is is that a Lions game the first game? Of course. Okay. It's good. always the first. Get the can, Lions game out of the way. Yeah, you can cook and eat and you know, <laughs> tune in for Dak Prescott with none of his weapons against a slumping Derek Carr. That's right. Yes. Uh, and the night game, Buffalo but and then New Orleans. you've got Trevor Simeon mm-hmm. in the night game. He's so, probably, it's, so it's all good. Where do you think he has been in the last three weeks? I bet you he's a top seven quarterback. Yeah. He's probably top 10. He's been, you know, garbage time production yesterday. Let me look this up. Where Trevor Simeon ranks in the last three weeks in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. Meanwhile, other news, A.J. Brown, it looks like he escaped serious injury. And I'm not going to go through all the defensive injuries, but there are some big ones. I think Seattle could be without their top two cornerback. They went into the game without their top cornerback, and their second-best cornerback got injured in the game. They face Washington this week. Number 10. Number no, I got him number three overall last three weeks okay. per game. Could be very different. I'm sure oh, it is. I'm not looking at six point. Oh, okay. Okay, six point per passing touchdown per game last three weeks. Herbert one, Josh Johnson two, <laughs> one game. Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Rogers, Roethlisberger, Trevor Simeon. That's gross. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jacob Gibbs joins us. We'll go through our five big topics, talk about two outstanding potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks who are struggling right now. We'll be right back. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra, Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And I'm going to click on Jacob Gibbs's pretty face here and bring him into the stream. There he is. What's up, Jacob? Jacob, you there? Yes, Sam. Are you on mute, sir? You're not on He's mute. Not All on right, mute. get your mic. You fix your microphone, and Chris and I will take it while you do that. Oh, I think I hear Yo, you now. There hey, is. there, there is. he is. Sorry about that. That's okay. What's up? Not much. Chiefs got another win. I'm excited to talk some football. Some of us are Giants fans, buddy. Like, don't even, don't go there. We can't handle this, all this winning. Uh, yes, the Chiefs got another win and a low-scoring game. Their defense starting to play a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and nope, we don't have a Mahomes question today, but we do have a Josh Allen question. Russell Crone says, is Josh Allen still a must-start? He is actually the number two quarterback in fantasy right now in both formats. He's basically tied with Brady in four-point. He's about six point. He's about two points per game behind him in six point. Um, I got a lot to say about this, but go ahead, Jacob. You can have the first word. Is Josh Allen still a must-start quarterback? Um, yeah, definitely. I don't. Is this based on his schedule? Is that what we're worried about? I mean, he has some games coming up that aren't super appealing. Yeah, it's based um, on his performance lately. He's struggling, and as Chris mentioned, teams are playing them to take yeah. away the deep ball. He's only got 21 rushing yards in his last two games, which I think is probably fluky. But you're right about the schedule. He's got the Patriots twice coming up. So um, I guess you're not concerned about his performance. No, no. I mean, he's finished QB 13 or higher in seven of the past eight games. He has three finishes as the QB one during that time. Like that, that's crazy in itself. Kyler and Justin Herbert are the only two that have even two QB one finishes this year. And he's done in three of his past eight games. Um I don't know. I think you always start a quarterback who finishes <laughs> as a top four quarterback over the half of the time. And that's what he's done over the past, you know, two months. That's in sounded like something Brian Fantano would say or something. <laughs> you always start a quarterback who finishes top four over half the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he's definitely must start. I'm, I'm not super worried about him. I mean, it's kind of like we were talking about Mahomes just a couple of weeks ago. Most of the time, I think these guys are going to figure things out. Who would you, well, I think the other part of the question is who would you start over him? Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Yeah, maybe. How about Jalen Hurts? Got the Giants next week. Allen has the Saints on Thursday. I might rank Jalen Hurts higher this week, but I'm not, that doesn't mean yeah, I'm going to sit that. Josh Allen. Right. Um, you're you're not starting Cam Newton. Do you feel better about Dak Prescott than him? No. Uh, if I mean, if Lamb and Cooper were playing, I think it's perfectly fine. But sure. not without them. Uh, how uh, about Cam Newton against the Dolphins? No. No. Dolphins were actually surprisingly very good against uh, Lamar Jackson last time they faced him. He was really the only Russian quarterback they've uh, done well against. Josh Allen 
owns the Miami Dolphins. It's his production against them. The, the, the degree to which he dominates the Dolphins relative to everyone else, and he averages like 10 points per game more against the Dolphins than any other team. He's played them like eight times. Um, so, yeah. I, uh, he's a must-start, Chris, but do you have concerns about Josh Allen? No more than any other quarterback. You know, it, it mostly just looks like he's had, like he's just turned the ball over a few extra times. You know, he's got five interceptions over the last three games. Um Interception rate is up to 5%. That's high, but he's still averaging 7.6 yards per attempt. Um, his air yards are mostly where you expect them to be. So, no, I, I don't think there's there's much reason to to be concerned here. Like, you're seeing it in Emmanuel Sanders not producing lately and his target share going down where I think they're less willing to throw the ball deep or maybe defenses are taking it away. Cole Beasley's maybe been a little less efficient than you would have hoped for but no i i'm not worried about him like i said i would still probably rank him as a top five quarterback okay yeah and and what i would add is the offensive line injuries have been very impactful reading about this in the athletic this morning joe biscalia did a really good breakdown of the game so right tackle spencer brown he went on the reserve covid list that forced them to move uh i think a guard over to tackle and it weakens their whole line meanwhile john feliciano a starting guard he's been on ir he's been out three weeks so he is eligible to come off ir this week hopefully feliciano can come back for the thursday game at the saints and hopefully spencer brown can get off the covid list that one might be tough but if you just look at Allen, and I don't know if this is coincidental, uh, coincidental or not, but if you look at Allen when his right tackle, Spencer Brown, has played more than 13% of the snaps, he's had a few games with a very low snap count, um, Allen's had three huge games out of four. So I think you get the offensive line healthy and it should be better, much better. How can they do against the Patriots? I don't know. They've got two games against the Patriots in their next five weeks, I want to say. But... Yeah, I am not th- like I, I. I have one league with Josh Allen. I'm not even considering sitting him. Let's get those rushing totals back up. Meanwhile, Scott Mervis says, "Is Russell Wilson droppable? Is Russell Wilson droppable?" And this team is a mess right now. And he has completed 52 percent of his passes in two games since coming back. So, Jacob, do you think Russell Wilson is droppable? I think. Um, I guess if you like already have a top ten quarterback, then. I- I would be fine with it. He's my QB 11 rest of season. Um, what we've seen has been gross, but I think it will get better. And they face some defenses that have given quarterbacks a lot of problems this year. Um, so, like, overall, I prefer not to drop him. I do think he's – I mean, QB 11, I think he's still going to be something you're going to be using. Um, he's got some favorable matchups down the stretch. Gets Detroit, I think, in week 17 in the fantasy championship game. So, um, I prefer not to drop him, but – if you have a top ten quarterback, or you just don't need him anymore, then yeah, sure. I mean, what do you think, Chris? Uh, first, can you guys hear? Is there like a like a? Can you hear like a lawnmower or weef, weef, wind leaf blower? A little in the background bit for me. A little bit. Okay, yeah. Somebody's <laughs> blowing leaves or something right under my window. So that's Come on. that's delightful. Good timing. Um, I tend to not be too concerned about Russell Wilson just because we have the track record here of him being such a good fantasy quarterback over the years. But I I will point out that the volume has been very low this season. Um, 32 or fewer passes in every game but one. And historically, he's been so efficient that he can make up for that. But if he's, you know, he, he has to be kind of 95th percentile in terms of efficiency to be an elite fantasy quarterback at that kind of volume, especially if he's not rushing. And 
he really hasn't been this season. 14.6 yards per game, only 24 rush attempts in seven games. That puts him on pace for right around 50, which would be his lowest for a full season ever. His previous low is 67 back in 2018. Um, so that matters. You know, when you're getting one and a half fantasy points per game from him with his legs instead of three and a half to two or four like he was in 2020, that that can, you know, be enough to drop you from, you know, QB six to QB 12 or something because the margins are so thin. And it also lowers your floor and your ceiling on any given week. So, you know, it makes the the bad games a little worse and the good games a little worse as well. I talk about this a lot, but it's worth reiterating. Seattle is last, dead last in the league in time of possession, and it's not even close. Less than 25 minutes of possession on average. And dead last in the league in plays run per game. Houston is at 59, and Seattle's at 55 plays per game. That is such a big gap. Four, ga- four spots, four plays between number 31 and number 32. Whereas yeah. Houston, if you give them four extra plays... They'd go from 31st to 15th, right? So it is an unbelievable gap between 31 and 32 in both time of possession and plays run. And reading about the Seahawks today, they're just a mess. I mean, this is not something we have ever seen in the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era. And I thought what was so interesting is Tyler Lockett is saying that they go out there, defenses put something on film and do something different every single time they play, every game. And he says, you know, basically took a veiled shot, and he said, we're not doing... I, I wouldn't say that. It seemed like it. Maybe he didn't mean it that way, but he said they're not adjusting. And then Russell Wilson was asked, are you seeing different things than what's on film? And Russell Wilson said, no, not really. So they, it's just a mess. I believe Lockett, because I am sure... You know, why would he lie about that, I guess? It was like, you can understand sort of the quarterback not... Wanted to throw anybody over the butt under the bus, but I, I I guess in general, the Seahawks have a lot of problems right now. But I don't know. I trust I trust them to figure it out. And it's a good point about the opponents they face. I mean, Arizona's had a good defense. Green Bay's had a really good defense. This is it, though. This is a do or die week. If they can't get it done against Washington, yeah. ask us again about Russell Wilson being droppable. <laughs> Might be get a different answer. Another crazy stat on the Seahawks. Um, kind of building off your point, Adam. They. I just uh, did a like, big midseason red zone report last week, and the Seahawks have the second-highest um, touchdown conversion rate in the red zone, which shocked me because it seems like they've been horrible offensively. I mean, for a lot of the season, they didn't have Russ, and they've converted over 70% of the time when in the red zone. They just, like, never make it there. Right. <laughs> you know where they're, they're bad? Any plays. They're, the third, they're the third-worst team on third down. Yeah, yeah. They just haven't been able to sustain drives at all. Yep. But and it's it, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if – if that red zone conversion rate wasn't so high, it would be even worse if that was just like around the league average. Like wow. 60%. Yep. Yeah. It's a good point. All right. Let's go to our next topic from J Mart. What to do with the 49ers backfield. Debo Debo seems to be the primary running back. Chris, I'll give you the first word. What do you do with the 49ers backfield? I mean, that's uh, an overstatement. I feel like, although early in the game, it did seem like Debo was, you know, being used as kind of the one A to Jeff Wilson, but as the game went on, Jeff Wilson ended up with quite a few more carries. Debo ended up lining in the backfield uh, on ten snaps, mm-hmm. so not an insignificant number. And he had a career high eight carries, but we're still talking about what thirteen carries over the past two games. While Jeff Wilson had how many did he have? This Wilson week? had nineteen. Nice. Sermon had 19, ten. And Sermon had ten. Um, now, listen, they've won their last two games by 21 points and 20 points. Yes. So let's keep that in mind, too. 
But yes. yeah, go ahead, Chris. And and I think the fact that they were using Debo that much early on in the in the backfield can tell you one thing I think it can tell you is that maybe this team knows that they need to find different ways to get Debo the ball in order to be able to keep both Ayuk, Debo, and George Kittle uh, productive in the offense, or at least maybe the team's not doing it for that reason, but that's the, the result for fantasy. And so if they do keep using Debo Samuel this way, he can have five targets per game, but if he's getting five carries as well, I think he's still probably going to be a high-end uh, fantasy wide receiver, and it creates room for both Ayuk and Kittle to have good games. You know, Kittle and Ayuk had 11 of the team's 22 targets this week. Yeah. They're going to be highly concentrated between those three guys when it comes to their touches. And um, the good news for Samuel is he had those 10 snaps in the backfield. He also lined up at wide receiver 43 times and ran 23 routes on 24 passes. passes. So he's still playing a full-time wide receiver role. It's not taking away from him there. Great. Yeah, he's the man. Okay, Jacob. So if we focus on the running backs, and let's assume Eli Mitchell is back this week. Last time we saw him, he had 27 carries for 91 yards. That was two weeks ago. Again, 21-point win over the Rams. Uh, what do you think about the just specifically the running backs and with Debo taking some touches away? I think uh, you hope that Eli Mitchell does return to that you know dominant backfield chair that we saw because they've got a really awesome fantasy playoff schedule. Um, and if he is you know the man on the early downs, then he should be fantasy viable because they will likely be playing with leads in a lot of those games. Um, for now, like if Mitchell isn't back this week, I think you can actually go back to Jeff Wilson. I know it was a disappointing game, but 19 rushing attempts. He saw all the attempts from inside the 10 yard line. He saw four or five from the red zone, um, played 92% of the red zone snaps. Um, so I think there's definitely upside with Wilson and the usage that he saw. I think Chris's point is really important, not specific to the running backs, but that Debo lining up in the backfield more, um, is allowing Ayuk and Kittle to get more involved and see more targets. Um, and so overall, I think it's good for the fantasy value of all three of those guys. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to overreact to what we saw from Debo. It was 19% of his snaps were in the backfield this week, um, 11% last week. It's not, he's definitely not the primary RB. And I think that we can still have a fantasy relevant running back, even if Debo continues to see this type of usage. Yeah, the, the concern would be, you know, Mitchell gets 55% of the carries, Debo gets 10 or 15%. Right. And, you know, Wilson gets 25 or whatever the math would be on that. I don't know if that actually added up to 100, but the, the concern would be that if Debo is getting a significant number of, uh, or a significant amount of work in the backfield and it's two running backs instead of one, that's where the concern comes in. Cause Wilson, I think only played like one snap in, um, in week 10, Trey Sermon didn't play a snap. And so it was all Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, and what if they lose? That's what I'm concerned yeah. about. If they keep winning, then they're going to throw the ball very little and they're going to run the ball a whole hell of a lot and it won't really matter. You'll get all these opportunities. Yeah. But if they lose, I just I looked at their pass attempts and wins compared to their pass attempts and losses. I'm going to take away the Trey Lance game. They lost the game he started. He only threw 29 mm-hmm. passes. I think he ran 16 times. So you've got four games that Jimmy Garoppolo has lost and five that he's won. Here are his pass attempts and the losses. 40, 41... 27 and 40 and the 27 game was the bomb cyclone where they really couldn't throw the ball so this team is a is a very game scripty team Mm -hmm. and you mentioned though jacob their schedule at least in the fantasy playoffs is very favorable atlanta at tennessee we'll see what the titans are like at that point and houston in weeks 15 16 and 17 so you've got very running back 
favorable matchups there. Meanwhile, Minnesota this week, I don't know, at Seattle. That's the thing. I mean, I like sometimes San Francisco, they, they looked amazing lately. But yeah. they're one of, <laughs> they're like every other team in the NFL. <laughs> you don't know what to expect week to week. So I think, uh, I think with Mitchell, you know, you're probably going to start him. But I do, wor- I do worry if they lose what it would mean for him. You know, it could be a 12-carry, two-catch game and, and a little bit of a disappointment. All right. You, you mentioned the Titans. I just want to point out, man, they've, they've won two of the three without Derrick Henry. They've kind of been a disaster, though. They have six touchdowns in three games. Two of them came on plays, on drives that started in the red zone. Two other ones came on drives that started uh, outside of their own 40. <clears throat> Right, they had so, a pick six against the Rams, yeah. right? And then, yeah, they've had two picks. Two? One pick six? Yeah. Um, they had one. I, I know so, Stafford threw one the following week. I don't know if the Titans got one, you know. Yeah, they. Uh, but yeah, they've, they've basically had two drives that went more than 60 yards mm. in three games. So. And do you know what the total yardage was yesterday, good. though? They ended up with over 400, yeah. I believe, but it was on 79 plays or something. It was it would ended up being about 5.3 yards per play, which is usually around bottom 10 in the NFL. Okay, they the had season. 420. Yep. How many do you think the Texans had in a win over the Titans? It was like I want to say they it was like 240, something like that. 190. Oh my God. <laughs> the Titans outgained them by 230 yards and lost. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Jorge says, Zach Ertz. He wants to hear about Zach Ertz. Jamie and you, Adam, said Ertz was droppable. I don't remember saying that, but I think he, I believe that he was droppable. So um, fine with taking that. And yes, eight catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns on nine targets. Jacob, did I miss the mark here with Zach Ertz? He was started in 48% of leagues, but he's rostered in 87% of leagues. I mean, I wasn't excited to own Zach Ertz either, especially with Kyler out, but um, the usage has been great lately. He ran around on 38 of 47 dropbacks this week. Um, Christian Kirk ran 39. He was the only Cardinal that had a higher route involvement rate than Ertz did. Um, and Ertz has also kind of been the guy in the red zone, which I think is kind of what they wanted, you know, why they went and got him. They didn't have anyone who really stood out in that area over the last couple of years. Um, he has five red zone targets in five games since joining the Cardinals. The rest of the team only has eight combined. Um, he's been targeted on 21% of his routes since joining the Cardinals. So like, I think he's, I still think he is droppable in some leagues. Like he's the tight end 15 for me rest of the season, right behind Freemuth yeah. and right ahead of like Dan Arnold, Logan Thomas. Like, I don't know if this is worth overreacting to, but the usage has been good so far, but I, yeah, I just, there's a lot of tight ends that are seeing good usage right now. So I don't, unless you're in a deep league, I don't think it's yeah. that egregious of a claim to say he's droppable. Mm-hmm. He's going into his buy, Chris. So do you really have to hold on yeah, to, no, like I, to his buy? I'm not sure I want a, a bench spot taken up by Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, I, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's certainly not my goal uh, right. to have to have two tight ends on my roster when, you know, you can do that in week 14 or whatever. Is that when the, the Chiefs are on by? No, they're on by this week. This Okay, so you can do that with Travis Kelsey. Uh, you feel okay about that. <laughs> Doing with Zach Ertz because he scored two touchdowns in one game and you know had one long play. That's basically all he's done in five games with the Cardinals. The, the one long touchdown that was his longest play since 2017 and then the two touchdown game today or Sunday. I just, yeah, I, I think he's droppable. I think that's fine. Yeah, I guess the argument for him is, well, he's barely played with Kyler Murray. And the argument against sure. him is that he's 
didn't play with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, the last yeah. three games Hopkins has been out. So keep that in mind, too. We're saying this. He's not bad. He's a start-worthy tight end. He is not someone that you have to hold on to through your bye week. One one guy on the Cardinals I will say is droppable, and it's weird coming off an 11-target game, but Rondell Moore. <laughs> Uh, he only played 39% of the snaps. He was still fourth among wide receivers in in uh, routes run. And um, basically, he was used as either a dump-off option. He ran a couple of slot, uh, slants. He didn't have a single pass that went more than five yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, he had negative nine air yards on 11 targets. He was basically used as a as like the same role Dontrell Hilliard had for the Titans. You know, um, so I, I hoped that I would look under the surface and be excited about 11 targets for Rondell Moore, and I'm really not. I think Rondell Moore, not at all someone you have to, to hold on to through the bye. All right, we'll get to our final question here. Which streaming quarterback has the best fantasy playoff schedule? Which streaming quarterback has the best fantasy playoff schedule? I left my schedules upstairs. <laughs> But I'm not going to abandon you guys. I'm just going to look online. But I had I had all this because I did this research two weeks ago. I will uh, tell you, it's Jalen Hurts, streaming quarterback. Oh, streaming quarterback. quarterback. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, but I, but I, 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 I wasn't listening. Trey Lance. He, he's Trey not going to be the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, if, if you should say Garoppolo. Lose, if we see them lose like two out of the next three, which is possible, then we could see Trey Lance take over for that schedule that we just talked about, where they could be playing with a lead and running a lot, and like he could just run all over these teams and win you a fantasy championship. I mean, <laughs> I, maybe I'm just like clinging to my priors because I wanted Trey Lance to be a thing this year, yeah. but it is a juicy schedule down the stretch. The real answer is probably Tua. Have, like if he gets Will Fuller and Devontae Parker back, like Jets and Saints and Titans, obviously Saints have a good defense, but that's a defense you'll be passing against a lot. Yeah, they do. I mean, they give up points to, to the, in the passing game. Yeah. Two is not bad. Titans are great. Um, ben and I, doesn't dude, have a bad one. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But I mean, Garoppolo is playing well enough right now to consider him. If it's not Trey Lance, I mean, I, you know, Garoppolo. I know the volume has been low. He's been, he, of course, you know, every year he's going to be very efficient. Um, hasn't been a great year for streaming quarterbacks. We should probably preface this conversation with that. But all right, what do we got for Roethlisberger? We got uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, Kansas City, and Cleveland. That's, that's a pretty bad. good one. Um, I mean, that, look, Trevor Lawrence has a good schedule. Houston Jets yeah. and then Patriots. You can forget that, but Houston and Jets in weeks fifteen and sixteen. But it doesn't matter. You're not starting him. And Trevor Simeon has a pretty good one. You're starting in week fourteen. The Jets, the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, the Panthers. It's just again, it's Trevor Simeon. It's a low volume passing game with a backup quarterback. So I don't think you actually want to stream him. This is, it's not. It's not necessarily shaping up to be super streamer friendly. You're going to need someone like Roethlisberger to to actually step up and play better than he has, like he did Sunday. You're going to need, I mean, I can't see Trevor Simeon stepping up and being fantasy relevant in that offense. You're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo to be super efficient. You're going to need, you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson takes a big step forward down the stretch and and could be that guy. They've got good schedules. And uh, maybe Derek Carr. Yeah, Carr's had a good schedule. I I was really excited about him uh, a few weeks ago looking at his schedule, but I think it's obvious what's going on with him. Just That offense is not the same right now. You know, Daniel Jones, 
with Dallas, and then Philadelphia looks like a pretty tough matchup right now with the way they just control the clock. Uh, but Dallas in Week 15, Chicago in Week 17. We'll see. If Daniel Jones shows you a little signs of life tonight with basically everybody except for Shepard healthy, you can consider him. Anything else? Is Jake? Joe Burrow too good to be in this conversation? Yeah, yeah, he's not a streamer. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, good luck, everybody, for streaming quarterbacks. <laughs> good luck to you. Well, you know, what? the thing to keep in mind is you don't need one quarterback for the playoffs. You can go for three different quarterbacks in three different weeks. Yeah. You know, if the, if that's the way the schedule works out, you don't you don't need to marry yourself to one guy. Um, and when you're in the playoffs, there generally tends to be less competition for waiver targets. So you, you should pretty much have the the choice of the litter, so to speak. Wonder if they read the chat. Yes, Dylan, we read the chat. <laughs> um, wish they'd answer questions instead of talking about trash players. All right, here you go. Hey, hey. Two minutes. Two minutes ben for questions. Burger is not a trash player. Okay. <laughs> Two minutes for questions in the chat. Go for it. We got you. We're waiting. Oh, wow. Now they don't even give us questions. <laughs> Other shows they do. Not sure about these weekday ones. Let's see. Should I trade Gaskin for Gibson in PPR? Gaskin still has his buy. And Gibson has... Yes, you should trade. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. I'll, I won't answer that. You guys think. Trade I, I would actually say Gibson... So he didn't play a snap in the second quarter. Literally he, zero snaps. Because he fumbled. Plays. He fumbled at the end of the first right? quarter. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you take out the second quarter, he played 66% of the snaps, which was right around what he was used at in Wait. week 10 as well. So it's possible that that's um, you know, more indicative of his usage moving forward. If they're going to be a more competitive team, then I, I, I think it's going to bode well for him. Best streamer DSTs in the playoffs. Yikes. Yeah. Let's see who Jacksonville's playing. Um, they're playing Houston and the Jets and New England, so you could stream yeah, so them. You're not using those. Um, um, yeah, Jacksonville has probably the best 49ers. This, Denver. yeah, I'm sorry, that one kind of I need time on that one. Denver, I think so. Yeah, okay. Let's see, what do we have? Do I drop Cam and or Tannehill for a fill in, or should I drop someone like Alexander Madison instead? Drop Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah. Goodbye. He's got a bye uh, weekend. The Patriots in his next two weeks. Yeah, the Broncos have the starting week fourteen. They have the Lions, Bengals, Raiders, and Chargers. So not great in the championship game, but you got to get there first. Right. So Wilson or Bridgewater next week. Who is Denver playing? Wilson's <laughs> got Washington. Yeah, Bridgewater. And Denver's got the Chargers. Oh, Russell Wilson. Why? I don't know why I thought that was Zach Wilson. <laughs> I did too. Russell Wilson. <laughs> I go Russ. Yeah. Are any Seattle running backs fantasy relevant? It's hard to make oh, that Collins case. Relevant. Yeah. I, look, Rashad, Rashad Penny. What did he have? Something like an 18-yard carry, and then he immediately got hurt. Yeah, got the start and hurt his hamstring at the end of an 18-yard carry. It was the only snap he got, I believe. I'm not saying that he can't be relevant. I do think that they want him to be relevant. He just has to stay healthy. I know. I think he I came back. I, I think he came back. Physically, don't know if he can stay be relevant. Should I drop Emmanuel Sanders for Rondale Moore? No, you shouldn't. Uh, but no, you can drop Sanders in general. It's Elijah Moore, I would assume. And oh, then yes, you should. I would definitely drop him for Elijah Moore. Yeah, I think Elijah Moore is at least a top 36 wide receiver rest of season, and you know potentially much more than that. Thoughts on Michael Gallup, Gallup Thanksgiving. Thoughts on Gallup Thanksgiving. I like him. I don't, I don't know why, like, 
I don't know why we would expect it to be that much different than it was on Sunday. He basically played without Lamb for the full second half, and Cooper didn't play at all, and he did basically nothing. So I, I think he's a, a viable low-end starter, but he's not someone I have huge expectations for. I think it's possible he has a big game, but not someone I definitely want to rely on. That's well put. Yeah, because the Chiefs are good against wide receivers, but so are the Raiders. Yeah, uh, and Ro- the Raiders play a ton of zone, and like Dak has been batting in zone, and he does not throw to his perimeter receivers when he faces zone. Oh, see, there we go. I like it. Okay, how about Russell Wilson against Washington or Cam Newton against Miami? I'm thinking Cam. I would lean Russ, but I get it if you just don't want to after these last two weeks. I mean, you know, the first time when I, when I initially did my rankings for week 11, and I have a you know fairly rudimentary projections process to do that, he was QB eight in my first run, wow. and I moved him down to QB fifteen. Turns out I should have trusted my gut. Yeah, he had a really good game. Okay, last one. Thoughts on Adam Troutman going forward? He's got five, six, eight targets in four straight games, like somewhere between five and eight, I think. Uh, at really least six value targets. Six and four. Six. Yeah. Actually, at least six. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think, like we talked about earlier, there are like actually a lot of fantasy viable tight ends right now, and so I just don't think you need to waste your time with someone like Trouton unless it's really deep league. Yeah, yeah I'm not against Buffalo. Low volume. He's not. Yeah, I don't really understand why people were excited about Adam Troutman. I'm gonna be honest. Like, wasn't a great prospect. He ran a four eight forty. Like, don't really get it. This hasn't been like a great tight end offense outside. Like Drew Brees has, you know gotten Jared Cook touchdowns, but other than that, you know, I didn't quite understand the Adam Troutman love. All right, that is it for as soon as somebody starts talking bad about anyone named Adam, I immediately end the show. And that is what is happening here. For Chris and Jacob, I am Adam. Good Adam. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. See you later. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.